And this woman talks about it like, yeah, he said you can leave any time, but they make it incredibly hard for you to ever leave, like a cult, you know? Like 100%. The whole thing, like the whole time I was like, that's a cult. That yeah. is a cult, 100%. Like 100%. <laughs> I cannot believe. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Men Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. Today we are talking about the one and only, the infamous docuseries on Netflix right now. You guys all know what we're talking about. It's all anyone can talk about. We're talking about Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. Um, We have a special guest with us on this episode. We have one of our recruiters, one of our nurse recruiters, Jamie Graham. Hey, all you cats and kittens. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Good luck there. Um, So, yeah, it might be a little confusing with two Jamies, but I think we sound different enough that we'll be okay. Yeah, Yeah, you can call me Graham. Graham. (laughs) Graham. I don't know why I just go by, yeah, you can go by Graham. Perfect. You can call me Jay-Z. Those are my initials, so. (laughs) Yeah. I like it. You can just call me Nina. I mean. Or or (laughs) if uh, you're uh, rich. Yeah. Or Nikki. (laughs) All right, guys. So um, this docuseries is, like I said, it's a Netflix original. It was released about three weeks ago on March 20th. So it's still brand new. When we first uh, caught wind of this, we knew we had to talk about it. It's what everybody's talking about right now. And it's wild, literally and figuratively. Like, there's so much going on. Crazy people, crazy stories. It seems like it's not real, but it 100% is. And we felt the need to talk about it. Um, So we're going to get into all seven episodes. Um, We're going to have a little break in between because there's a lot that happens in this documentary. It takes place over five years. So a lot happens. We meet a lot of people. And it gets kind of heavy. You know, there's some, you know, not so great parts of this documentary, mainly being, you know, the animals and just some of the, the people that we meet. Um, it was made by filmmakers Eric Good and Rebecca Chaplin, I believe is how you say her last name. Um, and uh, it started good. He had originally set out to make a documentary on something, well, I wouldn't say completely different, but it wasn't meant to be on cats. It was meant to be on uh just the exotic animal trade in general he um the first episode starts with him talking to a man who's selling exotic snakes and one of the guys who buys one is like hey come out to my car and he has a snow leopard in you know like a hundred degree weather and he's like how are people having these animals as pets how are they and that's kind of where it all begins where he kind of dives into this dark world of exotic animal trade specifically with big cats so um, the main people we, we talk to and learn about in this documentary are, of course, Joe Maldonado Passage, a.k.a. Joe Exotic, um, who uh, was previous owner and runner of a roadside zoo in Oklahoma. 
We have um, Bhagavan Doc Antle, who um, has an animal preserve and safari tour in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And of course, the one and only Carol Baskin, an animal <laughs> activist and sanctuary owner in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Carol Baskin. <laughs> Carol Baskin. Um, these, there are tons more people we meet in this documentary. Um, employees of Joe's Zoo, um, people who used to work for both uh, Doc and Carol, some of Carol's family, her husband, um, some of her ex-husband's family. I mean, there's tons of people we talk to. So it does get, I wouldn't say confusing, but it's, it's a little overwhelming. Uh, like I said, there's seven episodes, so you can definitely get this done in a weekend. Um, but it's so hard not to binge this. I mean, every episode is like, you think it can't get any crazier, <laughs> and then it does. <laughs> it's nuts. It truly is. I mean, every episode ends on not necessarily a cliffhanger, but on a like, well, kind of a cliffhanger. It's, it's like, what, what could possibly happen next? There's still X amount of episodes left. And then something insane happens in every single episode. And you're like, wait, what? How does it just keep going? It's so crazy. That's so funny. That's how I felt too. Like, I didn't want to watch it originally, because I was like, I don't know. This doesn't really look like my cup of tea. And then after the first episode, I think my jaw was open the entire time. And I was like, what the hell is going on in America that I didn't know that this was going on? I know. It's the the people in this documentary, you're like, how did I not know about this? I mean, this was, you know, 2015 is when this started, at least the documentary itself. A lot of this was happening just in the past 10 years. How did we not know about this? Um, but you learn a lot and you, um, you meet some crazy people. Um, so I, I found this, um, this quote from Eric Good, one of the, cre the um, yeah, directors. He said, um, the core reason for doing this was, how do you create awareness about the suffering and exploitation of exotic animals, but in a way where you can engage an audience? I think he kind of hit the nail on the head with that because some of these people, man, I mean, you just got to see it to believe it because they don't seem like they're real people, but they are. Uh, the very first episode is when we were introduced to, um, again, how Good got involved in the documentary and we um, first learn about Joe Exotic and kind of his backstory. Um, so we learned that um, he knew he was, um, he, he describes himself as a gay, gun-toting, mullet-wearing, you know, big cat lover. Uh, and uh, he tells the story of kind of how he got into this business. Um, he uh, came out to his family and his father could not accept his sexuality. And um, I, I think it's safe to say Joe tried to take his own life. He drove his car off a bridge and um, in the therapy after his accident, um, they had him spend some time with, with baby tigers and that's kind of how this all started for him and his love for big tigers then his brother was killed by a drunk driver so he started doing public speaking about um uh not doing drugs or uh alcohol or the dangers of drugs and alcohol um that wasn't enough uh, it wasn't engaging people enough so he started bringing tigers that wasn't enough so he started doing magic um, and then that's when he started uh doing his little you know tour of taking these cats to um malls across the country and i don't know if the documentary i mean again there's so much that happens i, I might have missed it um how did carol get involved in the beginning i mean did she just kind of find out about him traveling and that's when she started to try to take him down 
Um, I'm not, I feel like it was, cause didn't he start to make videos? Isn't it, isn't that how she kind of came to find him? Cause he was starting to his own like little show or was it the road that got her attention? I'm not sure. I guess I never even caught on to where that all came, like how she got involved with him. The hatred is crazy. Yeah. It might've been the, the, the road show because, uh, Carol, again, she, she is the owner of Big Cat Rescue in Florida. She, um, you know, has spent her entire life dedicated to, to rescuing and taking care of, uh, big cats. And, uh, she even throughout the course of the documentary talks about how she's trying to, um, bring a bill to Congress to prevent, um, like big cat petting and, uh, selling and breeding of big cats. So, say what you want about her but she actually she cares about the cats like she's trying to do good for them and that's all she really wants to do is she wants to stop joe from from you know exploiting these animals and he does not take kindly to that um he pretty much spends the entire documentary trying to bring this woman down and uh <laughs> we'll get to it in a minute but there's some things about her you learn very quickly um in the second episode, it actually begins with an employee of Joe's getting her arm ripped off by a tiger. And she goes back to work. I found this insane. Five days after surgery. So the zoo wouldn't look bad. Uh, I could not believe that. I know. I know that you cannot pay me enough to, I mean, it is definitely my life dream to play with big cats and, and to be around big cats. Like that would be my dream job probably. But if one of them ripped my arm off, I would probably not go back. No, absolutely not. And yeah, they're, they're just some dedicated employees. And we, we talked to a lot of them, including like the manager, um, tons of people who, uh, they stand behind Joe, but they also are like, okay, this, you know, with all that being said, he had his problems too. Um, <laughs> But I think um, it's also kind of important to note that the people that work um, at the zoo are like unemployable elsewhere, kind of like um, yeah. they all kind of seem like maybe they would have a hard time working in any other industry. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they definitely made that pretty clear. Like they yeah, were like sitting at the bus and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We also learn about Joe's. Um, not one, but two husbands. Um, first, John, who um, Joe, he met Joe when he was 19 and um, also works at, or at least for a point, worked at the zoo. And his other husband, Travis, who was also 19, um, and they all three got married. Um, and uh, so they show a little bit of that wedding, which is, which is interesting. Weird. Um, yes. We also um, interview a young woman who used to work for Doc Antle, which I have to say, I didn't like Doc Antle, but we didn't get to learn too much about him. He was kind of like an afterthought in all of this. Um, but when she talks about his, uh, you know, reserve, she talks about it like it's a cult. I mean, he brings in these young women. He has, you know, countless girlfriends, they all changed their name to something more exotic. They dress provocatively. And this woman talks about it like, yeah, he said you can leave any time, but they make it incredibly hard for you to ever leave. Like a cult, you know, like. 100%. The whole thing, like the whole time I was like, that's a cult. That yeah. is a cult, 100%. Like. 100%. <laughs> I cannot believe. 
I liked that they touched that they brought that girl from Iowa in though and interviewed her because mm-hmm. I felt like she didn't say it like she wasn't like it's a cult but the way that she round robined and talked about it she wanted yes. that's what she was insinuating 100 it, it it was kind of sad too because it's i mean all three of these people well not really carol but you know joe and and doc they bring in these people whether it's young men young women you know with the lure of you know you can you can compare these big cats to you know a boat motorcycles cars just Anything that's like, hey, look at me! I ha- I have all these extravagant things. Bring in people like like a cult who have nowhere else to go, who have no money, who are young and impressionable, and so it's it's kind of kind of sad and creepy to to you know hear the more back ends of the story. Um, there's also rumors that Doc euthanizes his cats after they're too big for petting, so about like six months into their life um that's never proven but it's definitely hinted at a lot through throughout all of these you know these zoo owners the episode ends with the biggest rumor of all that carol baskin murdered her husband (laughs) lewis who went missing in 1997 and that's the entire third episode is like the third episode could be its own documentary itself like what happened to don lewis that the way that um they ended that episode was what got me hooked because the guy's just like talking about it. He's like, yeah. And then, you know, her husband goes missing and the interviewer's like, wait, wait, what, go back. What, what did you just say? And he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> just like, they talk about it so casually. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And then her husband went missing. And we're like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> wait, what? Go back. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole third episode is just all about those rumors. And, uh, and you learn a little bit about Carol's backstory too. We don't really get to learn too much about her up until this point. She emancipated uh, from her family when she was young. She never really had a lot of friends, um, but she always loved cats. And um, she um, had some abusive relationships um, before Don. And then when she met Don, he was already a millionaire and was kind of a ladies man and it's kind of confusing the storytelling of what exactly happened but he goes missing and never turns up and so the the joke i guess not really a joke but you know the the story goes that she fed him to her tigers and so he was never found so who's to say what do you guys think did carol baskin kill her husband Mm. Um, I really want to know, did they search Costa Rica? Apparently, they talk a lot about in the show that he frequented Costa Rica. It was Costa Rica, right? Yeah. 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 Um, He went there like once a month. He had a girlfriend there that he would go see. He had like a private plane or something that he would fly there. Um, I'm curious. And they didn't really say like, oh, we searched, we scoured Costa Rica and couldn't find this dude. So I'm curious if maybe he's there. But if he's not there, I think it's pretty hard to just disappear completely. Yeah, I think she killed him. I think she killed him. I think she fed him to the Tigers. And who, who, and you know what? I, I, she probably did, right? But why? I mean, you know, I know she wanted, you know, the, the, the theory is that she, you know, she wanted his money, she wanted his millions. They do some interviews with his family, his ex-wife and his kids, and they are terrified of Carol. Yeah. He only gave them like 10% of his estate. And they are like, yeah, there's no doubt in our mind. She knows something. Whether she did it or not, she knows something. 
Given the information that we're given in the documentary, yes, she probably, if she didn't murder her husband, she definitely had something to do with it because nobody just goes missing for, you know, 20 plus years and nothing ever turns up about them. Something happened, we might never know, but supposedly the case is being reopened today. So that's episode three. And uh, episode four is kind of where it takes a real turn in, in the main story. So episode four kind of starts with all the lawsuits. So Joe, like I said, he's always had it out for Carol. He, um, kind of like Jamie brought up before, he had his own online show that was produced by a man named Rick Kirkham, who uh, also had the rights to the show and his own reality show that he was filming at the same time. So uh, there's two shows going on at once. And Rick talks about like, Joe's made for television. Like this is a story that needs to be told. Um, and he kind of creates this, this persona around Joe that he's the Tiger King. And it really goes to Joe's head. And he just starts, his ego just gets bigger and bigger. And at the same time, he's just talking all this shit about Carol. He's talking about, um, you know, like he literally has like a blow up doll of her. He shoots her in the head, like, and always saying like, what happened to Carol's husband? What happened to Don? Like he's dead. And it's just, he's definitely got it out for her. I don't know if it's, I'm, I doubt that she's the first person that has come after him in a malicious way about closing down his zoo and, and the things that he does because he's talked about how he had interacted with PETA several times too. So I don't know why specifically he's got it out for Carol Baskin, but he like just totally targets her. He goes after her talking about her husband, talking about what her place looks like. Um, they like fly over with a helicopter to look at her whole like compound and everything. Like he definitely has it out for her. And she seems very like, Oh, you know, Joe, he, he's just kind of crazy and whatever. Like she doesn't really act like it's that huge of a deal when she's being interviewed, but clearly it was because it escalates. So like, so quickly. Right. And it's just kind of this, this is where it really takes that turn is in this fourth episode, because, um, this is when, this is when the lawsuit starts. So Joe steals the big cat rescue logo. He makes it his own and he calls his, you know, uh, tour, the big cat rescue entertainment. The logo is almost the exact same to a T. Even the image that he used was found on the big cat rescue website. I mean, it's, and you know, an idiot would see that it's clearly a ripoff. Joe's so, just trolling her like so hard. He's just like, just trying to piss her off. Well, and he does it because he knows that, okay, when people type in big cat rescue, I want to be the first thing that pops up. And so he, he's smart in the sense that he knows that, okay, that's how with, you know, Google analytics, but he's not smart in the sense that, okay, yeah, you're going to get a lawsuit for that. That's mm -hmm. clearly copyright infringement. Um, and so Carol and her new, what's her new husband's name? That's I can't remember. a good question. Oh, man. They're super weird. I think the reason that he finds it so easy to attack her is because in his mind, she's doing the same thing, but trying to be like the martyr of it all. Because True. he's like, I have this zoo where there's, you know, all of my animals are caged, but she has this rescue where the animals are also caged and they're in smaller confinements. 
And so I think that because she like portrays herself as being this animal rescue person and so she's better than him, I think that's what kind of pissed him off to begin with. Howard is that guy's name. Yes, Howard. Thanks Howard. for coming in clutch with the name. Um so because of this lawsuit, um, Joe, I mean, she wants like a million dollars. It's a million dollar lawsuit, but she wants all of his assets. She takes his bus. She takes, I mean, it, they show a list of everything that he owns. I mean, he has nothing. She bleeds him dry. He has no more money. He maxes out all of his credit cards. And then suddenly his studio burns to the ground. Mysteriously including the well, he's at a funeral yeah yeah while he's you know just conveniently away at a funeral um and then the studio also included all of the crocodiles so it's not only an arson where all of the footage from the show all of that's gone so are these animals so um they show a little footage of joe talking to his lawyer and he kind of they think, oh, you know, it's possibly Rick who did it. You know, he has everything he needs. What does he need you for? He has all this stuff that you've said. And Joe's like, oh, yeah, there's cameras on us all the time. You know, and they show some security footage of a man walking by, can't see his face. And Rick is, he's like almost laughing, like, that's my retirement. Why would I set fire to the only thing that I have stock in? And he, I have nothing now, you know, like now that all that footage is gone, the show is gone, everything gone. So Rick just leaves. And I felt really bad for him. I did too. Because he really wasn't supporting the cause of the show anyway. It literally was just like a job to him. And then it just burned up. Literally, it burned up. In a, what did he say? A towering inferno of nothing but <laughs> and then, fire. Wait, <laughs> is it a towering inferno? It's crazy because you start to feel bad for people that you generally wouldn't feel bad for. Like, right. I, I started to like empathize for the people that were in that work for Joe or for Rick or whoever. And I was like, I, why? Like, they're just, I don't, but you do, you feel super bad for them after that happened. I felt bad for Joe. I, I feel like I, I felt really bad for him because I really do not think that he would have set fire to his own. I just don't. And the no. alligators died. Yeah. That was sad. I don't think he would have done that. No. I felt bad for him. It was definitely, I bet it was, my thought was that it was PETA though, not Carol Baskin. Yeah, PETA doesn't care. Like PETA has said that animals are better off dead than they are in captivity. So who knows? I mean, again, they're, they're, nobody ever found out what really happened. A lot of people think it was Joe trying to, you know, set somebody up. Who knows? But at this point, he has nothing. They have no money left. Um, he has to result to cub breeding. And then this is where Jeff Lowe comes in, who... Um, out of left field. Yeah. This guy is nuts. He um, He's a partier. He's a womanizer. He um, is just a, a businessman with a, you know, a, a history of working with uh, big cats, uh, exotic animals. And he basically saves the zoo. He becomes the owner, but he a few of the employees said, oh, he stole the zoo. Like, it's not Joe's anymore. Joe doesn't own anything anymore. It is Jeff's zoo now. And then that's when things really take that, that extra turn um, with the last three episodes. But before we get into all of that, before we get into the, I guess, the darker half of the documentary, 
let's uh, take a little break and let's talk about what else we're watching. All right, guys, what else are you watching besides Tiger King? I started watching Handmaid's Tale. I started to watch the third season and then realized that I have to go back from to the beginning because I have completely forgot everything that was going on in that show. But that's like, that was one of my favorites. So I got, I'm back on Handmaid's Tale. I loved Handmaid's Tale. I, it, it's hard to watch. It's probably like the, the hardest show that I've ever like had to emotionally deal with the fact that these things like could, I mean, it's like, you know, fiction, but is it because like <laughs> these things could happen really? Yeah. Um, well, look at where we're at now. Like nobody right. saw this coming. Exactly. So I, I had a hard time getting through the show, but I felt like, um, like the plot was amazing. Elizabeth Moss is amazing. Um, I don't know. I, I loved it. Yeah. I like the guy's wife. Um, Elizabeth Moss is like, you know, that wife who that is the yeah. family that she's in. I like her character a lot because she's so, she's so in depth. Like by the end of the second season and beginning of the third season, she just, I don't know. You never know where that show's going to go. I still haven't seen it. So it's on my list of things. <laughs> have to watch it it's so good but yeah it is really dark like it's yes. it is hard to watch I know a lot of people that haven't been able to get through it because it's just too hard which I understand there's I mean it's literally like a show about like rape about like men yeah the, the, you can't watch it really with your husband like it's not you have to watch it by yourself just yeah. I would never my husband would never sit down and watch that kind of show with me no. So when the show first aired on Hulu a couple of years ago, I had just finished watching something very depressing. And so I watched like an, ep an episode, like season one, episode one. And I was like, can't do it right now. I'm not in the place for this. And I just never revisited it. So one day I will, but I got to talk to you guys about what I'm watching or what Are I Are you done with Glee? I'm not done with Glee yet. I have three episodes oh left. Oh my God. <laughs> this last season is absolute torture. It's so bad. But I oh no! I have to finish it, but I'm um, almost done. But no, I want to talk about. I finally saw Joker. Oh, what'd you I think? I haven't seen it. <gasps> Do you think it deserved um, the Oscar for Walking Phoenix? You know, I think given the rest of the people that were nominated for Best Actor, I definitely think that Walking Phoenix deserved it. His interpretation of of the Joker of Arthur was captivating it was heartbreaking it was very eerie and towards the end once he like snaps it's it's very hard to watch it's it made me very kind of like sick to my stomach yeah um i think he did a wonderful job creating that making that character his own because i mean ever since heath ledger anyone who even tries to touch the joker it's like blasphemy you know and right i think he did a great job with what he had like the story itself is unique and um, unlike any other Joker out there. Um, the film itself, like, it was good. It's definitely, ugh, it's, it's a hard one to stomach. It's, it's creepy. It's, uh, it's, like I said, it's heartbreaking. But the message is there on, you know, the importance of, 
of helping out those who have these mental health issues and um, also, you know, kind of a class divide, you know, the, you know, the rich versus the poor, like that's a big message in it too. Um, it yeah. was very violent, um, but uh, did it deserve best picture? No. Out of everything that was up there that year? No, but um, I mean, it was still good. And I think it's definitely worth a watch if you can stomach that kind of stuff. I don't think, I think maybe I mentioned it on here when I saw it, but my husband and I went and saw it in the theater, like right after it came out. And there was a guy that fell asleep in this movie at the very beginning and was like, like sitting there snoring the entire time. And like the movie is so dark, so much happens. Like I, we were both just like, how is this guy sleeping? Yeah, I don't it's know. crazy. I don't know how you fall asleep during a movie like that, but uh, no idea. It reminds me of, did you ever see Birdman with um, Michael Keaton? No. So that movie is, that movie's crazy. It's um, not, this. it's not similar at all, but that's the movie that was shot almost in, in kind of like 1917, almost entirely in one shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually fell asleep when I went and saw that movie, and that movie won Best Picture oh. of the Year. <laughs> it was what? good, but it was just kind of, I don't know, it was a little slow in the middle, but yeah. Um, I liked it. I think the only movie I've ever fallen asleep in in the theaters was um, the three-hour remake of King Kong that came out in like oh mid two thousands. Like you just, I was not in a in a mental place to be able to sit there for three hours and stay awake. These, it was bad. These movies that push, you know, two plus hours. It's yeah. like, what are you doing? Like nobody has the attention span to watch these movies anymore. <laughs> no, no. And that was the thing. It was like, it's not that the movie was bad. I just literally could not pay attention anymore. And then I would just got so tired. I was like, all right, I, I don't think I'm going to miss anything if I take a quick nap in the theater here. Right. So. <laughs> um, but, but yes, I saw Joker. Um, I'm, I'm kind of on a mission to, to watch all of these best picture nominations. Um, also there's a ton of new shows that I want to watch. Um, but uh, I'm really looking forward to Onward that comes out or as by the time this airs, it will have already come out on Disney Plus. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, you know, love a good, love a good Pixar film. Um, I don't know, like this Tiger King is just like completely taken over my brain. So, <laughs> so true. I haven't had time to watch anything else, really. I kind of need like a break because it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, that is, uh, that's what else we're watching. All right, we are back to our review of Tiger King. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that Miss Jamie Graham did have to leave. We thank her for joining us on this podcast for the first half. Uh, she was great. Uh, but let's get back into it. Um, so uh, we left off on episode five where <laughs> when I was finishing up the show, I texted Nina and I was like, oh my God, have you finished yet? And she's like, no, I'm on episode four. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> this is where it's about to Oh get my back. gosh. And I had no idea. I had like literally no idea what was going to happen. So I was like, what do you mean? This feels cryptic. Turns it, out it was. It is. It gets so dark. It, it really did. So, um... At the beginning of episode five, this is, you know, after Jeff Lowe kind of takes over the zoo, 
And Joe is, you know, he is fame hungry. He needs that publicity. So he runs for president. And this is again in like 2015. I feel like I remember hearing about this. Like, I don't. Like vaguely, but maybe I'm just like, I want to believe that I remember it, but I, I truly think that I remember very vaguely this happening. He, of course, ran during, uh, you know, President Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign, but he didn't last very long. He ran as an independent, um, and when that failed, he decided to run for governor of Oklahoma. And so during all of this, he hired this campaign manager, um, and I felt so bad for this kid because he, you know, he talked about how it was like the worst thing he, the worst decision he'd ever made in his life was yeah. to run this campaign because, and, and you'll, you find out why, because he, he saw some shit and, uh, you know, through the course of this campaign, Joe kind of got lost in it. He, he lost sight of what was important and, um, just kind of fully engulfed himself in, in this, this campaign. Um, during this episode is when we find out that, um, neither of uh, Joe's husbands are actually gay. Um, both John and Travis were straight men who unfortunately were kind of like we said, like it's a cult, like they were lured into this, this world of exotic animals and, and drugs and, and money. And um, Travis, this is, you wonder early on, like, why isn't Travis in this documentary? Well, it's because Travis became very depressed. There's a few scenes where he's talking about like, Joe doesn't care about how I feel. Like he, I try to tell him what I'm going through and he just doesn't listen. He becomes addicted to meth. Uh, John obviously had his drug issues too. Um, they, you know, just kind of went in a downward spiral and then Travis took his own life. And I forget the campaign manager's name, but he was there when it happened. Like he talks about how Travis was kind of a prankster and he would like pull a gun on people as a, as a very morbid joke. And then one day just kind of shot himself in the head. And so sad. It's very sad. He was a young, he was only in his like early twenties when it happened. Yeah, I think did, when he and Joe met, I think he was like, what, seven, 17? 19. 19. Yeah. So he, he was a young guy. I don't know how long they were together for by the time that he actually ended up um, killing himself, but you know, he had seen a lot of things too and, and being involved in everything that was happening with Joe being like crazy about going after Carol. I'm sure with him running for president and then running for governor, like I bet nobody, he probably didn't have time to give anybody any attention. Plus this guy was like deba debatably not even gay, maybe bisexual, but he, um, like his mom came on and talked about how she was just like so shocked by the whole thing and, and the life path that he had chosen was just not anything that she ever expected from him. It was just really sad. Like, it seems almost like they kind of make it seem like Joe pulled him into this life and, and then he felt like he didn't have a way out. He, well, yeah, he had said that, you know, he felt trapped at the zoo, yeah. he couldn't leave, like Joe would, would get upset if he ever wanted to leave. Um, and John, uh, he actually got like the front desk girl pregnant. So he just left, you yeah. know, became a father. And so Travis was all Joe had left. And I think, you know, when you're that young and impressionable, I mean, you know, we were 19 once, you know, like when you're that young, all you want to do is is have fun, you know, and like one of the places, no tomorrows, you know, like that's kind of the mindset that a 19 year old has. And so he, 
he, you know, got in too deep and could not find a way out. And again, when you're that young, everything is so big. And, and he was horrifically addicted to meth. And that was, Joe was providing him with that. Like maybe not necessarily, you know, like, you know, injecting in himself or not injecting or, you know, making him smoke in himself, but you know, like that, that'll do something to a person. And so it definitely also long-term messes with your mind. Like meth does. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't remember who else was talking about it on the show that, Oh, it was, it was the first husband. Yeah. John. Uh, yeah. He was saying that like, he had smoked a lot of meth too and felt like it really like altered his, his, his mind, like long-term mm-hmm. permanent damage. So I'm sure that like being addicted to that over such a long time, probably really like affected Travis's brain and his overall like self-worth and, and yeah, he said he felt like he was trapped. It's it's really, really unfortunate and very sad. And Joe obviously was was devastated. He was alone. And um the the funeral footage that they show is uh <laughs> he says some really inappropriate stuff, but so awkward. It is awkward. I um, imagine being Travis's family at that funeral. I know. Um, but um he even like performs. I cannot believe we haven't brought this up that Joe is also like a country star, but here's the thing. He's not actually in the songs they show, he's not actually singing any of that. Like he wrote the songs, but like (laughs) other band performed them and he just did the music videos, but he, you know, did this performance at the the funeral and he was never the same after Travis died, which of course, you know, that will change a person. Um, but that's when he really started to kind of like throw himself into this campaign and he, he ended up losing the election with only 19, 19% of the vote. Um, and also two months after Travis died, he is already remarried to another man. Yep. Another young guy. Where does he, I don't understand how these young people are so easily baited. I don't know. It's, it's, it's the world of exotic cats. I don't know. Yeah. Who knew? I, I also just wanted to say too, that like, Oklahoma is not that far from Nebraska where we live. And I had no idea about any of this. I just like had no idea. No, absolutely. So eye-opening. It, it really <laughs> was like, and it just, oh, so yeah, Joe marries this man named Dylan. And I felt so bad for Travis's mom because she was Joe's mother-in-law at one point, And she talks about how she, he invited her to the wedding. So weird. weird. Like, like, and she said she, she felt like it was a photo op, like, oh, Travis's mom is okay, so we can all be okay with it, too, that he's marrying another man two months after his husband killed himself. And then she said after that, she never heard from him again. It wasn't even like it was a big wedding. It was literally, like, five people. Yeah. And she was one of the five people invited. Like, why? So weird. Very weird and very sad. Like, I can't even, like, as, as a mother now, like, I can't even imagine, like, going through all of that when your son is so young and it's awful. Um, but after the campaign, that's when Joe really kind of lost his way. He didn't have a direction and he started becoming super paranoid. He thought that everyone was out to get him. He thought he was being like bugged. And then he found an antenna actually on the roof of one of his buildings. And, um, at at this point in the episode, we find out he is under investigation for something with, with the feds, but we don't know what for yet. Meanwhile, Jeff Lowe has been in Vegas. He doesn't, like Joe he doesn't want to work with him so he kind of just like okay I'll you know 
be the owner of the zoo, but he goes down to Vegas and he um, starts like, it's like a like jungle bus or something where he has these like young girls with baby tigers. He even smuggles them into Vegas hotels and he gets into trouble, which, you know, rightfully so. And when he comes back to Oklahoma, he's like, okay, I want the past year's bank statements. Joe won't give them to him. So he goes to the bank and finds out that like $80,000 is missing or, you know, has been moved within the the company. And he finds out that it, it was used for Joe's campaign. And he's rightfully upset by that. Like, I don't like this Jeff Lowe guy. He's a bad guy too. But he's like, dude, this is my ass on the line. You know, I, right. this is our money. This is our, well, really my money, my company. And you embezzled almost a hundred grand for your campaign. And well, the whole time that Joe was running for president and for governor, I kept thinking like Joe had to bring Jeff Lowe into the zoo because he was broke because Carol sued him for a million dollars. He had no money. Um, obviously while he was doing these campaigns, like did he even have time to go and like show these cats and make money that way? I'm just thinking like, why would somebody who is a million dollars in debt then go and do a campaign, which we all know costs a lot of money. So I can't believe, well, I don't know how Jeff Lowe didn't figure that out to begin with that. Like, where was, where was Joe going to get this money from? Obviously it was going to come from Jeff who has the money. Um, and I can't believe that Joe didn't think that like, Je- like, did he not think that Jeff was going to find out? Like the whole thing was just like, what? It, it is. And, and Joe even talks about how like, he started to find out that Jeff was in money trouble too. Like supposedly that he was behind rent or behind payments on his, you know, motorcycles. And, you know, like he, he wasn't a saint either. And this is when, this is when Jeff is like, okay, you need to leave. And so this is when Joe leaves the zoo. He, he gets up and leaves and none the wiser to all the employees of the zoo they they are told oh joe retired but we learned very quickly that that's not true we find out that in this is when we get to episode six uh joe is at an undisclosed location with his new husband and a few like two tigers um somewhere else in oklahoma and um, we find out that he's on the run from the feds for allegedly paying a man to kill carol baskin and that's what he ends up, we find out about this in the, you know, kind of like the, the intro to the series that this is what he was eventually arrested for. Um, but all of this is leading up to, okay, this is what it all came down to, why this all happened. And a man named Alan Glover, who was friends with Jeff, right? Like they knew each other. Uh, yeah. He was like a handyman or something. Yeah. So Alan claims that Joe gave him $3,000, which is like, not that I think. Not that I've ever hired a hitman, but like that is nothing. To go kill Carol, he chickened out and just went and partied and spent it all on like hookers and drugs. Um, so obviously it never happened. Um, but then uh, Jeff hired this man. Uh, God, I can't remember his name. He looks like Kyle Gass. He had a really bad haircut. <laughs> he um, started working as like an informant and um, was wired and was you know, getting this information out of Joe and um, Jeff at the same time is planning to build a new zoo. The last two episodes, it like, I feel like it goes way too fast. Like there's way too much info that's packed into these last two episodes of everything that led up to Joe's arrest, 
Um, yeah. Once he is officially arrested, um, they are trying to, you know, make a case against him. Like all they have is this murder for hire. They don't have anything else. So they're like, okay, he also killed five cubs, which Joe never denies. He, he, his excuse, in my opinion, is bullshit saying like, oh, well, yeah, you know, they had problems. Like, okay, but you still killed five animals. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not denying that at all. And, um, he, they say originally he's up for like 80 years in prison and they have all these people that testify. No one's really on Joe's side, which I kind of feel bad for. Like they're all, all of these witnesses that are testifying are basically like, yeah, no, everyone said they wanted to kill Carol. Like they have all of this evidence against him. I mean, his shows where he shows, you know, he wants Carol's head in a jar, you know, he's shooting a you know, blow up version of her. I mean, who couldn't put all that, you know, against him? I mean, it's, it's right there. Um, so he is eventually convicted and is um, serve, currently serving 22 years in prison for the murder for hire and for the killing of the Cubs. Um, and we have some like phone interviews within the documentary with Joe in prison. And he says, oh yeah, I have 37 other names these people are going down with me. He started working with PETA. He started, um, you know, giving information about other people. He talks about all of the uh, rumors against Doc Antle. He starts talking about Jeff, all the information he knows about Jeff. And they, they kind of end the documentary with that this case is far from over. Like, yeah, Joe's in prison, but he's probably not the only one who's going to end up in prison. Um, and so I, I found that the 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 most harrowing thing that we learn is just the text at the end when they're kind of updating you on everybody and they end it with a statistic that five to 10,000 big cats currently live in captivity while less than 4,000 live in the wild today. So sad. I feel though ending the documentary with that fact, and we'll talk about this, that they kind of just like threw it in there. Like, the, the whole documentary is focusing on these people and this feud and the craziness and the egos and the drugs and the flash. And then, by the way, these animals that have been being abused this entire time, this is what's going on with them. So I feel like, yes, this documentary is crazy and it's entertaining. That's the point. It's supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to have these crazy characters. But I feel like it really missed the mark with talking about the abuse. I mean, they show some of it. There's that scene where, where Joe's doing like a campaign video, I think. And really sad. Yeah. And um, one of the cats gets like, you know, fixated on a shoe and starts like dragging him. He shoots at the cat and starts saying how I'm going to shoot you in the head. And it's awful. And it's mm-hmm. the part that hurt me the most was the scene where they show a mother giving birth to her baby tiger minutes, not even minutes, probably seconds after it's born, pulling it out of the cage away from its mother. And he talks about, oh, they're so loud. They won't stop crying. Well, you pulled them away from their mom. Of course they're going to be crying. They're in distress. He talks about how they have to take the cats away from their mom super early because that's the only way they can domesticate them. And I, I just don't think that that's true. No. But 
it I just, don't buy that. It was it hurt me for sure. That made me really sad. So this documentary does show a little bit of of the abuse and the exploitment of the animals. There's a scene where it's at, on docks, like I don't know, reserve or whatever, and literally taking this tiny little this tiny little kitten whose eyes are still closed. And I didn't know this, but kittens, like baby tigers, their eyes are closed for the first two weeks of their life. So this is a brand new kitten that they're posing, literally like holding up to this person's face, take a picture, holding it up to the next person and the next person. And it's awful. It's truly awful. You know, we, we get lost in the spectacle of the characters because they're, they're great to watch, you know, who doesn't want to watch, you know, Joe complain about Carol Baskin and, you know, with his mullet and his eyebrow piercing that barely is hanging on and, you know, like, and his music videos, like, of course you're going to get addicted and watch it. But I feel like we still need to think about, you know, the bigger picture, which is these animals, these tigers that I didn't even know, you know, how many of these tigers were in captivity. And once, so you, once you find out how many, it's like, who else is out there doing this shit? You know, like, mm -hmm. I, I can only hope that this documentary brings to light these other, you know, roadside zoos, as they say, and brings them to justice. I don't think any person should privately own these animals. There, there's, why? There's no reason to. No, I think that the only justification I can feel about taking an animal out of the wild is to protect it from being poached, which people shouldn't be poaching big cats anyway. It's just, just a asshole move it just makes me so mad um so i feel like maybe the only reason that they should be pulling them out of the wild is, is to protect them um from that but otherwise i just don't see why i just don't get it i mean and it it made me definitely feel conflicted personally because i've always been one of those people that's like oh my god i would i would kill to pet a baby tiger like when they would have those like the things where they bring animals to schools and stuff like the the zoos do that sometimes and i've always been like oh gosh i want to pet a baby tiger i want to hold a baby animal like now in retrospect when i think about having watched the show and thinking about how i've always wanted to do that i'm like oh am i one of these pay to play people i don't like that like i now i would feel so guilty if somebody came along with an animal and was like here take a quick quick picture with this and then we'll move on to the next 500 people it's like it's just so sad when you put it into that perspective and you think about how these animals are treated compared to what their natural lives should look like. Exactly. And when I, I mean, you know, I went on my honeymoon, we swam with dolphins, you know, and I, looking back on it after watching this documentary that really put it into perspective for me, I'm like, what is the life of these dolphins? Like, I'm sure they're not, you know, super thrilled with swimming with people every day and doing these tricks and i'm sure you know they get fed and they're taken care of but you know what is that life for these animals and you don't really think about it in those in those uh terms until you see a documentary like this and it you know it got me to do a little bit of research i found this really interesting article um that actually an animal uh like an animal rescue a local animal rescue facebook page that i follow posted so um, in the article, it says, the animals are the real victims who are caught up in this human drama, Katie Block, CEO of the Humane Society of the United States, uh, told me, the writer. The antics of Joe Exotic, Doc Antle, and others featured in the series have caused untold misery for, for countless animals, as well as created an overpopulation crisis of big cats in this country, using tiger cubs for photo ops, 
results in an untold number of cubs being bred solely for this practice and then quickly disposed of after they are only a few months old and then dumped to spend their, their lives in tiny cages at other roadside zoos. I mean, it's the statistics, the facts are there and it's, it's sad. It's so sad. The article goes on to talk about some of the other things, again, that we, that we see in the documentary that shows the abuse. And I actually forgot to mention this, that um, there was even uh, rumors that they, like, I think it was Doc that he, like, used gas chambers on big cats when they were too big to do anything with. And it's just, who knows what all happens at these roadside zoos, at these private zoos, and, you know, it makes you think twice about ever wanting to, to, you know, do anything like this, you know, like the next time I, you know, go to a all-inclusive resort, I'm not gonna, you know, take that picture with that monkey or, you know, do all these things because, you know, it, it really puts it into perspective. Well, I find it incredible that there are states, there's several states where they, it's like, it's totally legal to own exotic animals. Like, Why? I just don't see the need to own an exotic animal no. like, with my dogs and my cats. Like I don't need a fox or a lemur or a, I don't need these animals. They're not meant, they're not domesticated. They're not meant to live in a home. I do think that Joe had good intentions originally and then lost his way because his like true desire was that he just like wanted to be famous. He wanted the attention, which I can see why when you think about his upbringing and the fact that his parents didn't accept him when he came out and like all of these things play factors into obviously who you become um, as a person. But I think that his original intentions were good and he did love these animals and he cared for them. Um, and then he kind of lost his way when he realized that he would, could gain popularity by using the animals. And the, the saddest thing that he said in the last episode was, he talks about these two gorillas that he had that lived in cages next to each other for seven years or something like that. And then once the, um, once he went to jail, they had sold off all of these animals. And so there was a video of these two gorilla gorillas, like uniting or chimpanzees, I think is what they were, mm -hmm. um, reuniting outside of their cage and they just hug each other. And it's so sweet. And he's like, I was the one that put them in those cages. I deprived them of this life that they had. Like he knew that he messed up. It was so sad. It was. Yeah, that scene was pretty hard. I think, yeah, he, I think ultimately, yeah, when you, when you look at the big picture of everyone in this documentary, there are no winners. There's no good. There's, everyone sucks in one yep. way or another. The losers are the animals that, you know, suffered because of this. In my true, honest opinion, I don't hate Carol Baskin. Like, I think her intentions were also in the right place. She's just trying to make the world a better place for these animals. And this feud that she had with Joe, yeah, got blown completely out of proportion. Did she kill her husband? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Maybe he was abusive too. Who knows? You know, she had some issues. She had some problems in her life that we learn about. Um, but I, I, Doc is clearly running a cult. Joe wasn't you know, he was luring in these, these young men into his, into his life. And I don't know. Yeah. I think deep down Joe had his heart in the right place, but he, you know, got lost in his obsession with fame and it yeah. stopped becoming about the animals well into the documentary. I mean, like, yeah, you could see right through him from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. That's really well, sad. I also, I also don't hate Carol. I think that 
she has good intentions. I think that her mission is really strong, like that her mission is to, you know, expose these people that are using animals as pay to play, people that are abusing animals, keeping animals in captivity that they don't have the proper things for like people who just have like tigers in their backyard and that kind of stuff like she's out there to try and rescue these cats and i also people a lot of people were coming after carol saying that like well she's just putting them in a cage too but i think that i don't think that these tigers that are domesticated from birth would survive in in their real in their natural habitat because they've been raised in a in an unnatural way so I can't really argue with the fact that she is also basically just putting them into cages too, because I don't think that they would survive in the wild anyway. No. And that's, I mean, that's what a typical zoo is, right? I mean, there are some bad zoos out there, but there are also really good zoos that are just rehabilitating these animals because they can survive in the wild. They're trying to give them the very best life that they can. But, you know, when I think of Henry Dorley, you know, Omaha Zoo, I think of, you know, some of these enclosures for the animals they've done a great job making them big and spacious and aside from you know maybe so I don't even think they have the petting zoo anymore I don't think they even have that part of the zoo anymore but it's purely education and giving these animals the best life that they can if they can't live out in the wild but and there are these people who are just trying to make money off of them and Mm -hmm. it's you know any way you you know look at it it's wrong and I think Joe realized a little too late that it was wrong. And unfortunately, he's paying the price for it. And I think that, you know, there are other people out there that also deserve to be in prison. He's not for the sure. only one. So, you know, who knows? Maybe in a few years, Jeff Lowe will be arrested or Doc Antle will be arrested. Who knows? But but uh, this documentary was, it is a wild ride. It is, it's, it's something. <laughs> I'll just it is. That. Um, and with that, let's get into our review of Tiger King. As far as the documentary goes, I think I'm going to give it, oof, I'm conflicted because again, I feel like we, we do miss a lot of the, the true, you know, I feel like the tigers are kind of just used as transitions, you know, and it's all just really about the people, not really about the animals. But I think that it was a good way for the producers to make almost an unbiased like documentary about here's what, what happens here and you can make your own conclusions about how you feel these animals are treated and how, how you feel about keeping animals in captivity and whatnot. Um, and then they put that in at the end, I think, to kind of just add fact to to that but I I think that it was a fairly unbiased like recording of like these real events that's true yeah I think with that said I would give it probably mm, I think I'd give it I'll give it a four out of five because it it is entertaining it is some a good distraction from what's going on in the real world um it is it is bingeable. It is so easy to watch. It is so captivating and interesting. And it really, by the end, puts things in. Hopefully, you know, if you look past the memes that you see on Facebook and social media, if you look past all the goofiness of the characters, I really hope people, you know, take to heart, you know, the the truth and and what these animals go through and that we, and this isn't, it truly isn't over. We need to 
do more research and find out more about these private zoos and, you know, get these people and the animals, the justice that they deserve. Um, but that being said, again, it's, it's, it's some good TV. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very entertaining. Um, but it's a lot, you know, like I said, it's, it's a lot to take in. Each episode is somewhere between 40 and 50 minutes. So again, you can get it done in a weekend and hopefully, yeah, you've watched it by now, or if you haven't, watch it because in a month maybe there'll be something else out there that everyone's talking about but you know you gotta hop on that bandwagon now I would agree with everything that you said as far as my review I would want to give it probably a, a two out of five just not because th that there wasn't a thrill factor because there was but I just personally like the whole thing just made me so sad and and uncomfortable and I was kind of waiting for a for like the other shoe to drop because we knew from the very beginning that Joe ultimately ended up in jail, but you don't, he doesn't go to jail until the last episode. So it's kind of like, okay, what got him there? What does he do? Like the, like, it like gave me this anxiety that I'm like, is he going to hurt a cat? Is he going to like do something super like, I mean, everything that Joe does is pretty crazy, but like what, what next, you know? Um, and I feel like it it left a lot of room for like judgment that I feel like is probably unfair in some ways. So it, it just wasn't my cup of tea specifically. I I don't know. I, I just I just feel bad for everybody involved. It just made me sad. That's true. It is, you know, you will feel you will feel for the animals, you will feel for some of the people. Like like I said, nobody everyone in this documentary is a terrible person. But I felt so badly for Travis and his family. Like, I feel that he just got wrapped up in this world that he was not prepared for and didn't realize what was really going on until, you know, the smoke cleared and this poor young man lost his life. I also think a lot of the, like, the zookeeper people really genuinely cared about the animals, too. Um, and they felt like they, were, they would be doing a disservice to leave these animals with Joe alone. Yep. It's, it's heavy. It, it doesn't really get heavy until the end. Well, it's interesting because it's just like so crazy. It's like almost unbelievable. So you're taking a super heavy topic, super sad topic, and, and then showing all of this just like crazy person that is involved in all of it. And so it's like entertaining, but all, the underlying message is like super heavy and, and something that you know, everybody can evaluate their own feelings on. Um, but yeah, it's just a crazy show. I think ultimately the message that I want to leave this episode with is sure. The memes are funny. Yeah. Joe exotic is a crazy man, but just, you got to think about the big picture and you got to think about these big cats and it's, it's unfair to them. And, and they're the real, they're the real hero, not heroes, but you know what I'm saying, that, that, that they're, the, they're the message, they're the story. And, you know, hopefully that doesn't get lost in all the, the silly memes and all of that. But, right. um, but yeah, that is, that is Tiger King. <laughs> um, if you guys have anything else that you're binge watching right now that you are interested in us talking about, please let us know. Let us know in the comments. Um, we have a great rest of April for you. We're going to continue being quarantined. Um, so we're going to have lots of time to, uh, to not only help our travelers out, but also to uh, binge watch the next, you know, uh, viral docu-series or whatever. We're, we're, we're here to watch some new stuff. So if you have any ideas, 
please let us know. But um, until then, keep on streaming. See you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.